0: Hey there adventurer, I appreciate you taking the time to do an investigation check and dig into the archives of the show. I wanted to let you know that this is an old episode back when the show was called The Hard Thing Podcast. The topics are still the same, though the format and some of the names are different. If instead you are coming back to The Hard Thing Podcast, well, surprise, we changed our name and some of our branding. Feel free to hang out in the archives and listen to all the wonderful old episodes of The Hard Thing Podcast or take on a new adventure by listening to some of our current episodes. Either way, happy adventuring. All right. Welcome back to the hard thing podcast. As always, I'm your host, Justin Lewis, and this is the show that helps you do the hard things that are plaguing you right now and that you want to do in order to have a better life. And today I have on my show guest Derek Kinney, who does two things, obviously, among other things, but he helps you get more money and he helps you use that money for good. And I'll tell you a little bit more about Derek later, but first let's dig in asking the question that I ask every single guest, Derek. What's the hardest thing you've ever done?
1: Well, Justin, great to be with you. It's always fun to be on your show. You know, I go back to when I was in junior high and high school, and I was teased a lot about my nose. My nose is much bigger than the national average, and people let me know about it. And it was hard as a student to kind of walk through that. And my mom gave me a book, and it was a book called Go For It by a woman named Judy Zarafa. And I wouldn't typically say a book changed my life, but in that case, it really changed the trajectory of the path I was going. And so I decided to run for student body president my senior year. And it was a bold move on my part because I was a nobody, but a nobody with the heart of a somebody. And I looked all around the school and I began to see athletes and and country music people and band people and all the, the students, if you will. And they all had their pockets that they hung out in, but nobody came together. And this idea came to me of what if I got a picture taken with the leader of each of those organizations shaking my hand, endorsing me for my campaign for president? Well, fast forward, what happened was I actually won the election from among five other people that ran that day, but it wasn't me that won that day, Justin. It was all of us, all the people that were a nobody, but with the heart of a somebody coming together to suddenly have a voice. And it was that lesson that taught me that if I could get outside of my own self, here I was being teased and in some cases really bullied. If I could get out of that and think about serving other people, It really opened up a doorway for me to recognize that I could go into business down the road. And as long as I help people feel important and valued and needed and wanted and provide a good service for them, I could do pretty well financially.
0: I think that's a very interesting story, specifically because uh, aside from maybe the outliers, most of us in high school and junior high specifically, we definitely feel awkward, out of place and, and definitely like a nobody. And I'm, I'm really impressed at your wisdom, foresight uh, in that campaign of thinking, hey, there are these separate groups, but there's obviously kind of this, uh, this soup of other students that don't necessarily fit into these, these groups, but maybe fit into like four or five. And by connecting those groups, you obviously capture the, the interests and desires of those that don't feel like they belong, but essentially do.
1: That's exactly right. And that's what happened. I didn't know that was going to happen, but what happened was that senior year, there was a whole different vibe in the high school. Suddenly, people felt like, hey, I have a voice. I'm important and I can do things together. And what often happened is, even past that, I mean, that's been almost 30 years ago, Justin, but it's as real today in my mind as it was back then, as I see those friends and former students, they often tell me, Derek, remember when we had that campaign and it wasn't your campaign, it was our campaign. Because even to this day, I think it was a breakthrough for people to realize. And when we all come together, there's really no limit on what we can do and what breakthrough we can experience together.
0: That's fascinating. Um, I got got to ask because it's Obviously, as a podcaster, it's something that's on my mind, and and you're also a podcaster. Um, At such a young age, you were starting to learn important principles of being influential or maybe gaining influence with peers or or clients or kind of whatever word you want to put in there. What principles have you learned from that that have kind of pulled you forward in your life?
1: Well, one of the main principles I learned was that People can do business with anybody, but if you can make them feel valued and important and most importantly, part of something bigger, now it's not just a relationship with you and them as a friendship. Now there's a cause that you are both intertwined together on. So they're buying from you, they're your customer, you're providing value to them But if you're helping make the world better together, that's really, really powerful. Let me tell you a story. So, I started my financial planning practice about 25 years ago. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I had a passion for education. And it was that passion that would actually lead me to significantly grow my business. And here's what happened I wanted to go back to my alma mater high school, the school I just mentioned, Sam Houston High School here in Arlington. And I wanted to give out an award every month for a student leader of the month. And I wanted to recognize a teacher of the month. And I was going to give a $25 gift card to the student and a $50 gift card to the teacher. And I mean, in my world, that was nothing. But to them, it was like winning the lottery, for goodness sakes. And what I realized was I would have wanted, as a student, somebody to come back and breathe belief into me as a student and say, man, you can do this. I know school is hard, but here's a picture of what your future could look like. And so as I began to do that, I had the paper. I would send a picture to the newspaper and put it on the internet, all this kind of stuff. Well, calls began to come into my office of people wanting to work with me as their financial advisor. And finally, I said, look, I've got to ask you this. Why are you calling me of all the advisors in town? And they said, Derek, we know that you're good with money, you're a good negotiator, you get good returns for your clients, but we like how you invest in education. Investing in education is important to us as well. And what happened was I began to attract this entirely new group of clients because they wanted to make good returns on their money, but they saw the bigger picture. They wanted to be part of something bigger. And in this case, We both shared a mutual affirmation of helping our local education get better. And so now what I've come to believe, Justin, and I write about this in my book, is a concept called the generosity purpose. And that is that when you can take your business, it's the best way to decommoditize it. When your people could buy a stock, a bond, a mutual fund, they could work with an accountant, an attorney, anywhere. But what is your differentiating factor And for me it was giving back and helping solve a problem in the community. And people like that. And it just so happens that affluent people really like it. And they'll pay more to work with you because you're part of something bigger.
0: The, the idea of breathing belief into someone is very fascinating to me, especially because, you know, I've had the opportunity to ask a lot of people, you know, what's the hardest thing you've ever done and kind of dig into their story. And I'd say, the biggest similarity, and I say this a lot, probably too much maybe, but the biggest similarity is that they all seem to find or be found by the right sponsors. And I use that word because I haven't really found another word for it, but um, oftentimes a sponsor is someone kind of from a step up, reaching down with a hand and lifting up. Did you ever have someone in your life like that? And I I guess what prompted you to kind of repeat that cycle or start that cycle?
1: I wish my story was better in this area. And I could tell you, Justin, I, I had this man that came into my life that changed forever. I didn't. And I, I believe now that it was the vacuum of that belief that caused me to really get introspective and say to myself, you know, I can either wait for someone to come into my life and impact me in a positive way or, I can just choose to believe in other people and invest in other people and what I now call it is a people portfolio, and that is who are the people in your life right now that you choose to make deliberate investments into. It might be your son, your daughter, an aunt, a nephew, a niece. It could be the neighbor down the street. It could be the student that you know just needs a couple hundred dollars to get into community college to give them that leg up to pursue their goal. And so that's how I've I've lived my life over the past several years of just recognizing that the more value that I could provide for people, and as Zig Ziglar famously said, the more you help other people get what they want in life, the more you then get what you want in life and it has served me well especially in a service oriented business like managing people's
0: money i think <clears throat> and maybe this is just me talking from my inner natural man um sometimes when i hear advice like this and I, and again i'm i'm kind of laying out some of my flaws so hopefully you can help me and <laughs> help some of our listeners as well but sometimes when i hear advice like this and and tips like this it makes perfect sense. And it's like, yes, I need to invest in other people. And then I get those dollar signs in my eyes and I start thinking, yeah, and then they can invest in me and blah, blah, blah. So so what tips have you learned to counteract that natural tendency of, yeah, I can give so I can get more. So that way, instead, we can have this mindset of, you know what, I can give and giving is the getting.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And what I discovered both personally and business wise is I just like my life better when I'm helping make other people's lives better. And I just feel better about myself. You know, when I lay my head on my pillow at night and I have made an impact in someone's life, if I have said a word of encouragement, which costs what? Nothing. If I have expressed belief in them, that costs nothing. It's powerful because I know that I have helped them extract a higher level of potential from their life. You know, it's funny because even uh, we've got four kids. Um, I've got two, uh, one daughter out of college, one uh, daughter in college, one son kind of finding his way in real estate and and a sophomore in college. And so we've got a lot of things going on. And so part of my job as their dad is how can I not live their or my dreams through them but help live their dreams, what they want, and -hmm. walk alongside them. And, and, And those are lessons that I learn every day of, you know, whether my kids listen to the same music I do or they do the same things, it doesn't matter. My job as their parent is to walk alongside them and just keep helping extract potential out of them. And, you know, even when the kids were younger, we would do some anonymous giving. For example, we might hear at our church or at an organization, hey, so-and-so's mom or dad lost their job or hey, they've come across hard times. You know, we might put an envelope with some cash in in their mailbox anonymously and then we would take off in the car. I mean, one one vivid story, it was snowing outside and this particular guy was a big, big football fan. And so we decided to buy him like a, a real NFL football. Because he he couldn't afford it, but football was important and he grew up playing it. And so I remember my daughter putting that football on the porch of their house and then actually slipping as she was running away so fast, <laughs> having to run the doorbell. And we still laugh about that story. So all of that to say is what I'm not telling your viewers, Justin, is you've got to have a whole lot of money and a whole lot of influence to make impact. It just starts with one person. And it starts by often walking across the street or just asking yourself, like, as I live here in Arlington, Texas, what are the needs right here? As I see a homeless person, as I see somebody at the food bank, as I see, you know, sex trafficking, you know, all these pieces, what part can I play in the part of my life I can control and make an impact?
0: I love that. Uh, You don't necessarily need to change the world, but maybe you can change the world for someone.
1: Yes. With
0: with your simple acts. kind of switching, actually not switching topics, along that point, I forgot that I wanted to mention this. I'm glad that you brought up parenting, because I'm married three years or so. So obviously, parenting is something that my wife and I constantly contemplate that we don't have kids right now. And we're right now, we're the perfect parents, you know. Um, That's right. Hey, congrats (laughs) on three years, though, man.
1: That's a big deal. Thank you. It's great.
0: Um, I'm so glad that you mentioned that. and, And this is honestly, for anyone who is a mentor, or a guide to someone is that you have to understand the desires and wants of who you're mentoring, guiding, being a father to or a mother to and help them achieve that. At the same time, kind of not letting your own influences get in. How have you helped push them to kind of achieve or or stretch and grow without being too much of a push or or, or influence in their direction?
1: Well, I'll tell you a big mistake that I made. And this is (laughs) one I think everybody can learn from. I I wanted to give my daughter, this was about 10 years ago, I called it the gift of dad. And and the gift of dad was the advice I would have wanted my dad to give to me. You know, I wanted to give my kids this leg up, this this wisdom from dad coming down from the mountaintops on these these carved tablets. (laughs) And I expected my daughter to say, oh, my gosh, dad, this is the best. You're the best ever. How could I embrace all this wisdom? Well, the story didn't go as I thought it would. And she gave me the stiff arm and basically expressed zero interest in any wisdom that I was offering. Now, about the same time, I was leading what was called the business club at our kids' school. Okay, and what I enjoyed doing was we'd meet with these students once a week. And the whole premise was to help them be, you know, people would like them, know them and trust them. So that they could build relationships when they left school, they would be positioned well for, you know, the, the parents of their friends to say, hey, this is a responsible person. You ought to have them babysit. You ought to have them work in your business. You ought to hire them. And teaching them basic business principles they could apply, how to how to look people in the eye, how to shake hands with a firm handshake, all those basic things. So I then licked my wounds, having been given the stiff arm from my daughter, waited about a week knocked on the door again, and came back with a different strategy. And I said, hey, you know, Lauren, I've got this idea. Uh, There's a business club at school, and you might have an interest in it. You know, everybody gets to pick their favorite candy. We talk about books that people like, and we talk about even one exercise we did of how to take $5 and turn it into $25 if your back was against the wall and you had to do it in 24 hours. I said, you may not like it, but if you ever do, just let me know. Well, what I didn't realize, Justin, was the hook was set. And she said, well, Dad, that sounds interesting. Maybe I do want to do that. I said, well, you know, well, let's just take some time to think about it. So I, was, I began to play hard to get. And that really helped set the hook for her. So two years later, here she is. And she's on the front row of the business club. And what it taught me was that sometimes as a parent, you know, we overthink things. We overthink about The value I want to add to my kids. And what if I don't tell them this? And a mentor taught me a long time ago that oftentimes more is caught than taught. You know, I could say everything I want, but my kids are watching me like a film every single day. And the biggest bang for the buck I've ever gotten in terms of giving advice to my kids is if I can sit down and I say to them, you know what, dad really screwed up today. If they hear those words, it's magic. They're like, oh my gosh, dad made a mistake, dad screwed up. This is going to be really good. Let's all listen in, you know. But if I come to them with, hey, here's what you ought to do, nah, that kind of thing. So I've just learned, you know, relationships are like that as well. That even if I decide, if I want to give advice, you know, you ever have that feeling where you know you should tell someone something, but you wonder how they're going to respond. Mm -hmm. And so I've just learned to say to them, look, I've got an idea for you. If you like it, great. If not. Just flush it. Don't even worry about it. And if it applies to you, great if not, that way it's it's low pressure. You know, I'm I'm not this wise sage giving people advice. It just if you have that gut feeling and you feel like, hey, here's an idea for you. Let me share this. If you want it, great if not, no problem. Same with parenting.
0: I love that. Um honestly, I could talk about parenting for a long time, probably because I'm not one yet, but um I think we should switch tactics a little bit. Uh, earlier, you talked about how you, with your financial practice, you started finding new clients simply because you were investing in education and you were connecting yourself with them because you both championed the same cause, essentially. Is that something that you'd recommend anyone to go out and kind of do as far as trying to build an audience or build influence?
1: Yeah, and I would back it up a step. And what I would say, Justin, would be imagine you working at your job or owning a business. And as part of that business every day, because business is hard and it's hard to work and you face all kinds of adversity, but part of every day you knew that you were making an impact in a cause that you cared deeply about. See, when you think about it like that, it, it reframes this whole discussion. You know, one of the things in my book I talk about, there's, there's a woman who I quote, her name is B. Bocalandro, and she talks about a woman who she profiled in her book, her name was Tina, and Tina recognized that the cleaning crew every night would go into the restroom and they would take out, and in most cases, you know, three-fourths the used rolls of toilet paper and just throw them away and replace them with new rolls of toilet paper. Well, Tina had this idea, she was in administration and she knew it costs and these kinds of things. Well, there was a cause that she cared about and it was the local homeless shelter in her town. And she talked to the cleaning crew and she said, hey, any rolls of toilet paper that are half used or less, bring them to my desk. And so she began to accumulate this large stack of toilet paper. Well, what she did, and this is really cool, She went to the homeless shelter and said, hey, I want to donate all this. Well, she donated enough toilet paper where they could have an ice cream social for free every single week. So what she did is she took just a basic item in a job that she was salaried, probably didn't like every single day, but she found a way to improve people's lives based on what they were already doing. Okay, so that was an example how someone who's working for someone can actually make an impact. But one of the things I want to I want to pivot to, and that is right now, you know, one of the things that we hear a lot about is that this is likely going to be the year that more people get raises than ever before. Okay, the problem, though, is most people are going to sit back and wait for that cost of living raise three percent, four percent. And that's it. And what I would tell people is we want to just wrinkle that up like a a sheet of paper and throw that idea out because the new way to ask for a raise and to make more money is to add more value. You know, we know that money goes where value flows. And it's so important. And I'll tell you a quick story. There was a woman who worked for a startup company And she came to me very disillusioned. She said, Derek, you know, a year and a half ago, I was excited to be here. I was motivated. I was really thrilled to be part of this exciting opportunity. But she'd gotten passed over for raises. People had gotten promoted above her. She was frustrated. I mean, with a capital F. And so she said, let's make a plan here. And so what I began to ask her is, what are some ways that you could help the company make more money, save more money, or help grow the business? And so we began to make out this list just on a piece of notebook paper and then an idea came to her and she said, you know, my boss is always complaining about not having enough time to service the clients that he services. And the idea came, what if she got an advanced designation and that allowed her then to serve the lower level clients, which allowed more capacity for her boss to see more people. Okay, so now we have the makings of a plan. So. We schedule it. She goes in and talk to her boss and she says, yeah, I've identified some ways that I can help you make more money, save more money and grow the business. Well, immediately her boss had the attention that she wanted. You know, suddenly now here's a captive audience because most people bang on the door, demand a raise and just simply say, because my expenses have gone up, you need to pay me more money. And that's typically not the best way to get a raise. So she began to talk through some ways that she identified. And she, you know, she was in administration. So she talked about, when I order supplies, I have found some ways to save you money. And here's my proposal. What about for every dollar I save you, you pay me 20 or 30 cents as a bonus, as an incentive to saving you money? Well, her boss was like, this is gold. So they, they went through these ideas. She pitched him on, "Hey, if I get this advanced certification, her boss get this, Justin. Her boss said, "I'm going to increase your salary by $5,000 once you get that certification because that's how much that time is worth to me to be able to see more clients." Then she had this other idea. "What if from a sales perspective, you know, you engaged the entire company and you said whoever sends a referral to the marketing and sales team to grow the business and bring in more customers, they get a bonus. And so she basically gave her boss three ways. Here's a way to save on supplies and expenses. Here's a way to get this designation, which will help free up her boss. And here's a way for the entire company to refer business to the sales department to grow the business. She came out of there making about $7,500 more than when she went in all because she added value. And the bottom line is, think about this, all of your benefits, 401k, future bonuses, it's all based on your income. And so the more money that you can make by adding more value, you're going to be saving more for retirement, you're going to be making a bigger impact in your family life. And I think also what motivated her as well she had a cause that she cared about. She really cared about this particular food pantry in her local area. And it drove her to say, you know what, if I don't ask for more money now, those people are not going to be taken care of. And so it was the the trifecta. All those things converged, and it really positioned her to be a real person of value.
0: Wow. (laughs) That story is just so amazing because One, it shows that in any situation, no matter what in life, you have to develop, and I don't have a a better word for it, but I mean, the entrepreneurial mindset of, I guess, you know, what's in it for them? How can we both win this this idea that if a rising tide lifts all boats, that's kind of the idea. Yes. Um, And how have you developed this same idea in yourself? Throughout the years and I'm asking it specifically for those people who might not feel like, well, I don't think that way or or I'm I'm just not that kind of person. How can we help them become that? Thanks guys for listening to today's episode. If you want to hear that last question that I asked Derek, you'll have to come back on Wednesday to hear the rest of today's episode. A uh, big shout-out to Derek, and thank you for coming on the show. A little bit more about Derek. Derek believes money is not bad, and good people, just like you, should have more of it to do more good in the world. He's the CEO of the Good Money Network, and his mission is to teach others how negative beliefs about money are holding them back and how to change their money mindset for the better, helping make complex financial topics easy to understand. Derek is a regular on local and national media, where he has been interviewed on CNBC, Fox News, Fox News cnn fox business pbs the wall street journal and money magazine and was ranked by forbes as best in state wealth advisor in 2020 Uh, it was awesome having derek on the show and again come back on wednesday to hear the rest of the episode Um, make sure you stick around after the show to hear some special announcements from our sponsors but keep doing hard things and you will overcome average guys, one quick announcement for today's show, and you might have heard this already, even in today's episode, but uh, I have an awesome opportunity for you guys. Once in a lifetime, you have the opportunity to have dinner with myself and a covert CIA operative. That's right, an undercover spy. Uh, My guest, Andrew Bustamante, has been gracious enough to offer himself up uh, as guest for a dinner with myself and one lucky audience member. So if you want to sign up for that, make sure you hit the link in the show notes below. As well, you can go to Instagram and hit the link in my bio at the Hard Thing Podcast. This is first come, first serve, and there's only one slot. So whoever signs up first will have the opportunity to come to Utah and have dinner with myself and Andrew Bustamante. It's an exciting opportunity. It's one that you'll be able to brag about to your friends of being able to sit down, having dinner with an undercover secret agent. So don't waste any time. Go ahead and sign up in the link in the show notes or go to Instagram at the Hard Thing Podcast and click the link in my bio and you'll find all the relevant information there. Uh, So look forward to having dinner with you.